so let's go back to this. God is restoring fatherhood in these last days. And we know that because there's a bridge. The way that the, our Bible, our Holy Scriptures are set up, the last book in what we refer to as the Old Testament, which is the Law and the Prophets, is Malachi. And that's the bridge to Matthew. And if you will, it's appropriately put there because Malachi was bridging what was former and what is to be. And so we get this bridge where he says to us in Malachi chapter 4, starting in verse 5, he says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. So the, the dreadful day of the Lord is coming. How many of you know that? Now, there's all kind of different theological positions on when and how that is. I was listening to um, uh, Amy Graham Lott last night, and she was talking about her perception of a rapture and the last days, et cetera, et cetera. And she actually released and said that the Lord had allowed her to release that since she was born on the day of Israel's liberation and, and coming back to the land, which was 1948, and there's a scripture that said that generation will not pass without the coming of the Lord, she believes that she's going to see that. I can believe with her, and she believes that it's going to be in five years. Now, I'm very careful about letting people put dates and timelines. I thought it very unique that she said that. I'm telling you, she said that. I'm not saying that. But I agree with her this way, that we're at that threshold. We're at the threshold. We're in the season of the last days. There's no doubt about that. All of the things that need to occur, and most of them have occurred, including the regathering of Israel in 1948, all of the other things that have been prophesied to, pre to prepare that day. He said, it's as if you're looking at a fig tree that's coming into its season, and we're coming into our season. And we see that the darkness is covering the earth. Good is being called evil. Evil is being called good. One of the biggest signs is the rebellion and the dysfunction of fatherhood in the family. That's one of the biggest signs. And we'll get into that in a moment. And we see that now being challenged like never before. You see, the, the changing, the genderization of dysfunction is really an attack on the kingdom and the father. That's what that's all about. Because you see, he was very specific to make sure that he created man, the species man, in his image. And his image is not dysfunctional. His image isn't confusing. So we have to understand and see it in that basis that what we see happening in the earth today, and I'm not just picking on that, I'm showing things. We who believe that we're standing strong and firm, we have a lot of issues to deal with. We have a lot of things to fix in the body of Christ and in ourselves. We become dysfunctional also as understanding fatherhood. I would love to tell you that once somebody becomes a believer, their lives are perfect and there's no problems and they, you know, their families are whole and they don't do the same things that other families do. But unfortunately, the divorce rate is exactly the same between people who are married in Christ and those who aren't. The good news is, the grace is, is that God's a loving Father, and there's no one thing or one sin 
that is worse than another thing or a sin. It all separates us from God. So those of us who think we stand, the, you know, the Gospels cry out, stand in fear. And make sure that we look first into our own hearts before we judge others. And in that instance, Malachi's crying out, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, this is a bridge to these last days. Before that coming, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. He said, and and this has to happen unless I come and strike the earth with a curse. That's how primal the kingdom fatherhood is to father God. He created a family because he's a father. And even angels call him father. Jesus calls him father. Holy Spirit calls him father. All of the earth knows him as father. So the kingdom of God is established on the premise of fatherhood. From the very beginning, it's fatherhood. And we understand that Malachi, and again, it's picked up for us again in other parts of the scriptures. Malachi tells us that there's something going to happen that's spiritual about turning the hearts of the father and the fathers and the children to the father. Now, This isn't something that can be accomplished physically. It can't be accomplished socially. It's not organizational. It has to be spiritually, and it has to be each and every one of us being sensitive to what the Lord is doing. And he will accomplish it one way or another. And a turning, if you you really look at the biblical meaning of turning, it means something that has been turned around, a swirling. It's not just a change. It's, if you will, a radical transformation of a heart. So he's calling for the radical transformation of the hearts of fathers to children and children to fathers. In my estimate, I think that that first responsibility is upon fathers. Children aren't supposed to lead fathers. Fathers are supposed to lead children. Now, no matter how old a child is, if a father reaches out, eventually they'll respond. And for you fathers who may have children that you're not really relating with, if you reach out to them, at some point they'll respond just like the Lord reached out to you. And as he does reach out to us. Because it's kingdom. It's relationship. And so... Let's dig into this a little bit and understand the prophetic side of things. The prophetic side of things is that we're crossing into that threshold when the spirit of Elijah, which is the spirit of crying out for the coming of the Lord to prepare the way, is crying out and saying, in order for this to occur, the spirit of Elijah is crying out, let's turn hearts, fathers to the children and children to the fathers. Sounds good. How do we do it? We'll get into it in a moment. I'd like to talk to us a little bit about honor. The test of the heart of the father is to love their children unconditionally. Think about that. Let it soak in a minute. That isn't normal. That's not normal. It doesn't come normal to love people unconditionally. You can only do that 
through the power and the force and the love of Christ. Right? I once had someone tell me early on in my walk that the Lord gives us difficult people to teach us love. It's easy for me to love all of you. I mean, you're smiling at me. I mean, you're not throwing tomatoes at me. You're, you're tolerating me at the very least, so thank you for that. And you're forgiving me for my stupidity and ignorance. And okay, you go on and on, right? It's easy to love you because you put me in that place. It's hard to love people in situations where there's rejection, there's abuse, there's abandonment, there's just downright cut off of relationship. It's hard to love. But there has to be a step. And in that step, we understand that one of the key, the cores to fatherhood is unconditional love of family. Unconditional love of family. I see so many times situations where, let's just pick on men because it's Father's Day, ladies, okay? Uh, help me. I see so many times where a man can be so good to a lot of people outside his own family, but yet ignores his family. And you say, oh, no, no, you know, uh, and if the shoe fits, let's wear it. No, 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 I provide for my family. Well, you're supposed to do that. That's not loving your family. That's your responsibility. Ah, loving your family is giving your unconditional heart and love and fidelity to your family. That's loving your family. All the rest of that, that's your responsibility. You see, too many times we step into fatherhood just because we had a child. Having a child doesn't create fatherhood. Having a child recreates a responsibility to enter into fatherhood and to produce fatherhood. A lot of people have children. Let's face it, that's no great feat, right? I was asking the Lord, I sometimes ask crazy things, and I said, Lord, you created Adam, and you created him in your image. You're a creator, and did Adam have the capacity to procreate before there was Eve? Otherwise, was he equipped with what he needed to produce a sperm and a baby before there was Eve? And I was shocked how fast the Lord answered me. He said, I made him in my image. I create. So from the beginning, the father created Adam to procreate. And when we get deep into the scripture and it says that he was lonely and needed a helpmate, we could go further from that and say he needed to procreate. And in that procreation became the family of God. Now, let's talk about Adam. Adam became very dysfunctional, right? I mean, let's not glorify Adam. However it happened, God chose him first. Lucky him. He was made instead of you or me, right? That was God's dealing. Adam had nothing to do about it. It's like birthdays. We celebrate birthdays, but the truth of the matter is you didn't have anything to do about your birthday. You just got born on the day that you were born. Somebody else had something to do with that. First of all, Father God. And then secondly, a man and a woman came together. And sometimes it's artificial insemination, but it still requires those two things. They're still not doing too good with test tube babies. 
that come from nothing. So we understand that, that Adam was equipped to procreate, but was he equipped to be a father? He didn't do too good in the beginning. One son killed the other son. Fatherhood had to be learned. Fatherhood had to be a commitment. Fatherhood had to be something that required a radical change of the heart. And then we speed forward as I thought about this, and, you know, no matter where you're at in the world, if whether it's a Christian faith, a Jewish faith, or a Muslim faith, the Hindus and Buddhists don't quite go this way. And the Hare Krishnas, they don't know what they do except hum and sell you roses in the airport. But in this instance, it says what? We're all children of Abraham, not children of God. Children of Abraham. Abraham's the father, both Ishmael and Isaac. And so that split came, and in the Old Testament, there was no revelation of Father God. That didn't come until the New Testament. Who revealed Father God to us? Jesus. Who revealed Jesus to us? Father God. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. So all of a sudden, the word in Hebrew, Eloheinu, became alive. Eloheinu is the plural of God. Adonai is the only God. He is the only God, but he's also God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. And that revelation comes to us in that bridge from Malachi to Matthew. And so what has happened is we have this this statement that everybody's a child of Abraham. Well, I don't know about that. You see, Abraham made a covenant with God, and God said he would bless all those who fulfill him. And then that covenant began to evolve, and it began to move into more things. And in order to fall into the blessings of the Abrahamic covenant fully, which ultimately is the eternal life, we'll get into that another day, you have to cross over in the blood of Jesus. And so then we see children of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And at that time, up until the coming of Jesus, it was the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. There wasn't even a pronunciation of the word God or written of it. It was Yahweh, it was other names because of the fear of the, under, of the misunderstanding and lack of understanding of the Godhead. Jesus set us free of all of that. And he specified to us many scriptures and many things that began to make sense throughout all of Holy Scripture about who God was and is. If we look in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 2, I'd like to start with that. Actually, let's start in Ephesians 6.1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. This is Paul. Honor your father and mother. Now look at this, which is the first commandment with promise. Honor your father and your mother. The very first commandment of promise. Now, some have said there's 10,000 promises in the in the word of God, some have said seven, some have said more. All I know is the word of God is full of promises everywhere. If you got a need, you got a situation, you got a question, go to the word of God. There's the answer. Yeah. 
approve it in scripture, and you will find your way and your path will be straight. No matter what else you think, what else you've been taught, this truth you will know either now or sometime later, but you will know it. That is the truth, and the light is the word of God. And the word of God is inerrant, and it is truth. We go seeking truth. As I shared with you, I think even last week, you know, when it says, follow the science, <laughs> how much did we hear that, and how did, where did that get us, following the science? And it's because science is an absolute truth, science is evolving. I love science. I love the fact that, you know, we learned electricity, and I'm a little challenged yet with stuff that's happening, you know, in the web and in the internet, and I need someone like Rob to come and simplify my life and put two little buttons I push rather than me trying to understand the language that he has. I, I don't even want to learn that language. I don't have enough room left up here. I'm getting too much up here. So it's not for this. This, this is for other stuff. Science is not truth. Science is the knowledge that we have today, and that knowledge will continue to grow. How many of you know knowledge is not wisdom? You can gain a lot of knowledge and not have any wisdom. You can be very unwise. I had an uncle, bless his heart, he's passed on, and he got very disturbed in his ways. And he went away to college in Bologna, Italy, and my grandmother struggled to pay for his tuitions for 20 years. He got a whole bunch of knowledge and degrees and was totally useless in his whole life. He never accomplished anything and was distressed. A bunch of knowledge, zero wisdom. You don't accumulate wisdom with degrees. You get knowledge that helps you to support wisdom. Wisdom is a gift, and wisdom can be nurtured and matured. In the things that I thought I was wise in, I wish I could tell you when I was 20 years old, but some of it's last year, I found out I wasn't wise at all in it. And that is wisdom. Wisdom is letting go of what we establish as being our fundamental anchors of everything we're supposed to be doing, if it's not grounded as the foundation of the Word of God, let the Lord test it and let Him show you what wisdom is and then begin to act with that wisdom. And if anybody is lacking wisdom, He says, ask. Ask me for wisdom. What did Solomon do? He could have asked for anything in the world. He asked for wisdom, and then he got everything in the world through it, including a lot of flesh and lust. Wisdom that's not tempered with faith is a big problem. You just get smart enough to get in more trouble, and you think you're beyond everything else until the Lord pulls the plug. How many of the most wealthy families have we seen just implode? You know, you look back at the Kennedy family, was one of the wealthiest families in the world at its time. The Rothschilds, the Carnegies. And you look and you follow the stories of their families and their children, horrifying, terrible, terrible deaths, terrible lives, because the wisdom they thought they had wasn't able to sustain them. And yet we had the story, as Patty told me recently, of a of a lady that she knows, a local lady, 
who was a prayer intercessor and her family hadn't heard from her in a couple days and when they went into the door to find her she was on her knees with her hands folded on her bed praying she went home praying that's wisdom that's wisdom now maybe she knew it was coming and she said lord here i am i don't know maybe she prayed and said lord i'm tired i want to go i don't know but man what a testimony what a legacy what a way to go scriptures honor your father and mother this is the first commandment with promise what does it do that it may be well with you, that, it, that you may be okay. If you honor your mother and father, the Lord has part of a promise and it's twofold. He said, you're going to be okay. You honor your father and your mother, all things are going to work together for good to those who love God. So there's a little tie there. Honoring your father and your mother is an expression of the love of God. Do you understand that? Dishonoring a mother and father is an expression of not being obedient to God. And then it's qualified. And by the way, this comes in Exodus and Deuteronomy also. Paul didn't just come up with this himself. This was the law of Moses. And you may live long on the earth. You want extended days? Honor your mother and father. Well, little predicament. What if your mother and father aren't around anymore? and that relationship fell apart. Can you still honor them? Hmm? Do I have to take you back to my message on time and being timeless in time? Of course you can. You can ask the Lord to repair your heart and to take away a bitterness and take away a rejection, take away abandonment. The Father God can do that. Whether it's active, passive, or present. And he tells us in Isaiah that I'm the God who's in the beginning and the end. And where you are and where you were, I'm paraphrasing it, I am there. He's there. He's there in those moments with parents that are gone. He's there in those moments with children that are gone. He's there. God can repair it. But we have to make an effort. We can't just speak. If there's an action we can do and we withhold that action, then we're being disobedient to God. You say you love God, then repair. Repair broken down bridges. I think I'm spiking some hearts right now. And I intend to. I'm not here to offend. I'm not here to talk down. I have a responsibility and my responsibility is to pastor. And I could scratch your ears and make it itchy and just bless you and hum and ha and, you know, we'll have pizza and that'll be a wonderful Father's Day. But if you walk out of here, if you walk out of here without a turning of the heart, then my responsibility, I haven't been true to it. The spirit of Elijah comes to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. This is the word of the Lord. You say you love God, honor his word. How do you honor God? You honor his word. What is the code of heaven? 
honor. The code of heaven is honor. Love the Lord thy God. Honor the Lord thy God. Honor thy father and thy mother, the first promises. Turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the children to the fathers. We can't do it halfway. (laughs) We have to go all the way. So to the father, we understand that unconditional love is the test of the heart of the father. Love your children, love your wife, love whom God gives you to love unconditionally and sacrifice yourself when you can and when you need to. Listen to that. You wanna, you wanna touch the heart of the Father? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, the ultimate sacrifice. The son sacrificed for us. Do you love God? Then this is his prayer, that you might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Fellowship of his sufferings is sacrificing for God. But he's not asking you to sacrifice something to him. He's already done all of that. He's asking you to sacrifice yourself with your heart to others. Because he knows that we have to overcome. He knows that the heart of a father must overcome. Now for children, the test of the heart of the child is to respect the authority and the power of fatherhood. At some point in time, a child is challenged with respecting the power and authority of fatherhood. First of all, Father God. The Lord says, you say you love me, but you don't obey me. You don't love me. That's also in Malachi. But Father, I love you. I, I, I love you. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to serve you. Then obey me. And he's a father. So we must obey him on his standards, not our own. We don't define fatherhood. He defines fatherhood for us. And we learn fatherhood. I'm still learning fatherhood. I wish I knew now what I didn't know before. Because I didn't learn fatherhood from my father. I learned some functions from my father. He's, he was a great guy. But I didn't learn intimacy from my father. What I learned from my father is we provide. I thought that was fatherhood. That's not fatherhood. That's my responsibility. But that's what he did. So that's what I did. And he worked day and night. So I worked day and night. I thought that was fatherhood. So now I learn and I know more. And for us to love the father, we must obey the father. And he gives us all kinds of standards and opportunities to do that with. I preached a a Father Day message some years back, not too long, but there was a man in the house, he's no longer here. And he'd been separated from his daughter for a long time. And that Sunday, after church, he and his wife made a decision to take a ride into Pennsylvania and sought that girl out. They reconciled. 
she got to feel the love of a father pursuing her. She passed away two years later. But she didn't pass away and he didn't pass away without restoring fatherhood. So, unconditional love. Thank God the Father pursues us, huh? He so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. There's no way unto the Father but through the Son. And the other scripture says there's no way unto the Son but through the Father. It's a reciprocal symbiotic relationship. And that's what he's looking for with children and fathers and for fatherhood is a symbiotic relationship that includes Father God, Jesus is Lord, Holy Spirit moving, and us here on earth doing our part with relationships. I've often cautioned people, don't be so quick to put titles on yourself in the kingdom of God because they come with responsibilities. I thank God that I had a word. I'm not telling you it was wisdom. I had a word, but a while back in a very dysfunctional church that God had me step up in and and to help with, right before the pastor that was there got his head cut off and sent out spiritually. He said, God has asked me to come into the congregation and I want to ordain you as a pastor. Boy, that was like, Oh, wow. You know, that's, is that a promotion? What's ordained me as a pastor? I started taking two steps and the Lord said, stop. And I told him, I said, you know what? Thank you, but let me pray on this and I'll get back to you. It didn't take long. About an hour later, I called him and said, thank you, but no thank you. He said, what happened? I said, the Lord told me no. I didn't understand why, but he told me no. It wasn't until many years later, many years later, when I went through a traumatic situation that I was crippled, not supposed to walk ever again, told I was going to be in pain, excruciating, crippling arthritic pain the rest of my life, when I was void of the spirit in my heart. It wasn't until after that, and I'm not going to get into the whole story today, that it was the word of the Lord that came to me. He restored me through the words of a, the most unexpected woman, not even a born again believer. And her words turned my heart. I know what it means to have a heart turned came with a lot of weeping, a lot of repenting and to the point where I wasn't expecting anything. And then the Lord began to revive me. And to this day, I still have some of the residue of that rheumatoid arthritis in my body. I don't talk about it. I ignore it. I live with it. And I know it's like a little thorn in my flesh to remind me of how great a God he is. And he gave me the heart of a pastor that day, totally broken, totally repentant, understanding what it means to have the love of the Father.
words cannot expound. Father God. And words alone can't explain fatherhood. We don't know the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit until we invite them and ask them to have relationship with us, right? Jesus doesn't force himself on anyone and the Holy Spirit comes to those who ask. But they come. And that's courage to me. Not courage just in accepting Jesus or knowing God. Satan knows God. He knows about God. The whole evil kingdom knows about God. It's receiving him and the Lord Christ and the Holy Spirit as Lord. And then obeying God. That's courage. Because we have to let go of stuff. (laughs) That was, I don't know about you, that was the hardest thing for me. Letting go of stuff. Especially stuff that you'd spent years developing and, and working at. Music. You know, I mean... I was at the threshold of what I'd been seeking since I was 11 years old. And it was 28 years old and, and, and the, the single album was coming out, produced by some really strong people. And a whole thing planned, a whole year planned to go out and market it. And then all of a sudden I became to the awareness of first Father God in fear, but I began to know him as Father. And then Jesus. And then man, that Holy Spirit just invaded me and it was all over. There was no more going back. There was no more choice. It was a complete, but it was hard to get rid of it. Do you understand that? You know what I'm talking about. People that I'd associated with that didn't want to hear anything about what I was talking about anymore. We were oil and water. My whole peer group fell apart overnight. My family fell apart overnight. My work fell apart overnight. Everything, it was like, wow. But it had to happen. You see, the Lord knew me. He knew I needed a radical turning of the heart. A turning of the heart is really what it's all about. It's a heart change. And it's a challenge. And and you know, here's the good news. Man, I was so, so lost in sin. (laughs) Every which way you could think about it. I think back on it now and I say, wow. Solomon and I, we had some stuff going together. It didn't matter. It didn't matter to him. And it doesn't matter to him for you and me and you right now. He just says, come to you as you are. He's a father. He wants relationship. You know what I adore the most is being a father and a grandfather is relationship with my children and my grandchildren. It just is inexplicable excitement, love. It's awesome. That's what I want the most. I love it. They want to buy me gifts and do stuff, but I don't 
really want much. I have a closet full of clothes. I probably wear the same few things all the time. I like it simple. I just want the relationship. I want the unconditional love. And I want to give unconditional love. And I have to pray to the Lord to help me with that. And so do you. Without mentioning names, there's been more than a few times in my life when I had to go find a child. And if I had to kick a door down, I went and got my child. God put that in my heart. And I'll still do it. Grandchild or a child, I'll kick a door down to get that child because I know what he did for me. I know what he did for me. Honor. Honor is what it's all about. You see, if we dishonor one another and then expect to receive from that relationship, we've lost the legal right from heaven to receive. That's another whole teaching. But there are legal rights. You say, well, wait a minute. Jesus said he came to fulfill the law, but that didn't destroy the kingdom responsibilities. It just amplified them and gave us a way to do it. It doesn't mean because Jesus came and set us free that we can be adulterers or fornicators or thieves or gossipers or murderers or haters or deceivers. It doesn't mean any of that. It means we have a way back. But it also means he gives us the power and the force to do it that we can't do ourselves. Honor is what the kingdom of heaven is about. Honor is what fatherhood and family is about. In order for someone or anything to be worthy of honor, they must be in a position of honor. Having a baby doesn't entitle a father to honor. It's serving that child that earns that position of honor. It's serving that family and that wife with honor. We must have something earned in that place that God has put us and we must acknowledge the responsibility that we have and we must honor that position ourselves. How can we expect family to honor us when we don't honor ourselves. Can't do it. We must honor ourselves before God and take very seriously the things God has given us. And honor is not instant. (laughs) I wish it were. But honor has to be measured and earned and esteemed over a period of time. Right? Think about it. I mean, you just don't meet somebody and all of a sudden you give them your heart, your loyalty, and a commitment to serve or walk with them. 
there, there has to be a relationship. It has to be earned. It has to be reciprocal. You have to measure it over a period of time. So fatherhood is measured over a period of time. And if we do it right, or if we recover it, or if we restore it or repair it, it then moves into that place called legacy. Legacy is where it is, how are we esteemed for what we've left or going to leave and established? It doesn't need to be a quantity of things. It needs to be the quality of things and it needs to be the last period in our lives. Thank God for me, you speak for yourself, that my estimate in the heavenly place isn't going to be my whole lifetime. <laughs> because I don't know how that X's and O's will line up pre-born again and after born again, backslidden. I don't know how that's going to line up. A lot of X's and O's and some check marks and boxes. But here's what he says. When we ask him to restore us, to change us, to turn our hearts, he takes all that old crud and he throws it in the deepest spiritual river, never again to be seen. That's my God. That's your father. That's grace. And so this is the encouragement no matter how we have or haven't been running our race, let's start again today to run it the right way. Be courageous, whoever you are, wherever you're at. Listen, I'm not judging you or anybody else. You can judge me all you want, I really don't care. Your judgment doesn't matter, nor does mine. All I can do is plead with you with tears that I know the truth, the light, in the way and he's Jesus Christ and I know oh I know the love of the Father I know the love of the Father I embrace the love of the Father and I know what it means to be adopted into the family of God not Jew not Gentile not male, not female, what it means to become a child of God. It doesn't change how much he loves you. It changes how much you love him. And wow, when we get soaked in the love of the Father, it's life-changing. It's a turning of the heart. It's forever. Let's go to this as we close. I want to establish that as we turn to 1 John chapter 2, starting in verse 12, I want to establish that fatherhood is not an option. <laughs> it's a necessity. Unfortunately, we live in a society that doesn't hold fatherhood as a necessity anymore. In fact, it does everything that it can 
to relegate fatherhood to nothing more than another social norm, an organization, an option, a choice. First John chapter 2, verse 12, I write to you. Now this is Apostle Paul. You've heard me, and I'll say it again real quick. People want titles. We had one lady here one time. She was, she was somewhere. She had a shirt, called herself Apostle Bishop, something or other, her own name. She had all these titles. It was like, wow. The she was a he, but that's okay. Seriously, I had to ask the person not to go in the woman's bathroom with our children and I had people say you're going to get sued I said I don't care I'm going to protect our children I said no offense you can stay in church all you want you can have your own bathroom downstairs I'll put your name on it but you're not going in to the woman's bathroom with our children nor with my wife that's my choice I'm the pastor those are my rules and so When he says, little children, this is apostolic. This is being a father. When I have people tell me they got the apostolic call in their life, I ask a few questions, but I already discern, is there the heart of the father? Because apostolic requires unconditional heart of the father. Anybody who's operating without that, they're title only. Apostolic requires tremendous sacrifice, unconditional love, being sold out. Paul says, I write to you little children because your sins are forgiven you. For his name's sake, he's excited. He's telling them good news for you. There's no condemnation anymore. Your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake in the name of Jesus. This was his primal thesis. Your sins are forgiven you. Then look what he says next. I write to you fathers because you've known him who is from the beginning. Father God, from the beginning, fathers who have given their heart to the Lord, I write to you because now you know him who is from the beginning. And I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. Fatherhood overcomes. It overcomes everything. Don't tell me there's barriers in the way of your relationships with your family. Only if you allow it to be. Kick the door down. I'm sorry, you say, Frank, you're not being gracious. Well, you take it up with the Lord. Fathers overcome. They don't succumb. Fathers overcome. Young men, because you have overcome the wicked when I write to you little children, because you have known the Father. Because you have known the Father. I could go on and on, but we get the point. Paul was establishing a kingdom of fatherhood. And he did it by first of all saying, our sins are forgiven. And then he brings in the point of overcoming. And then he 
reinforces knowing the Father. Sins forgiven, overcoming, known the Father. We are those who our testimony in these last days is saved by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. The word of our testimony better be, I obey the Father. I do everything I can. That's our testimony. So, I'm not going to get into a lot of this other stuff I have. I just don't have the time. Plus, we have, I think there's pizza out there. It's here. Yeah. Well, it's 1137. I'm pretty close to finished here. Let's go back to what we started with and we'll close with it. Malachi said that Elijah, the spirit of Elijah would be crying out to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. Lest, he says, I come and smite the land with a curse. Right? So we understand that this is optional. This isn't guaranteed. It's a caution. We're the ones who need to take up that banner and to run with it. It has to come from the body of Christ. If not us, who? We have to not compromise. We have to stay strong. We love everybody in the position that they're in and don't just have false love, have real love. Especially children and fathers and mothers. It has to be unconditional love. Absolutely. And at the same time, we have to stand on the morals and ethics of the Word of God. Because if not, then we're not really unconditionally loving our family. We're just loving them with qualifications. It's a challenge. It's a balance. It's grace with love, with obedience and non-compromising to God. Because we live in a world where gray is the color of choice. But we're not those who stumble in the darkness. Jesus says we're those who walk in the light and the truth. So my admonition here for Father's Day, first of all, love the Lord thy God. Love him with all your heart. Secondly, possibly whomever you are, male, female, father, child, grandparent, whatever, aunt, take a moment and allow the Lord, allow Father God through His Spirit, through the Holy Spirit too, to enlighten you and me in the things that He wants to talk to us about to get right. Let the defenses down. Don't come to Him with your own standards already defending. Come to Him open, naked in your heart. And you don't need to run to anybody else. You don't even to make a public confession. That's, I, I don't require all of that. I don't even believe in all of that, to be honest with you. Because I've had too many intimate moments with the Father where it was me and Him and with my Lord. Allow Him to speak into your heart 
and do it with an intention to say, Lord, turn my heart. Turn my heart. Because that's what he wants to do. And then believe him in his promise that things will go well with you and that you'll live long. Believe him in his promise and fear him in his word. Fathers, we can all be better. Hmm? Fathers, we can all be better. If you're here and you're telling me you got it all figured out, then, you know, go eat some pizza right now. Have three pieces of pizza. Four or five, I don't care. No. We all want to keep running the race. We all want to leave our hearts open to the Lord. And we all want to be diligent in the things that God has given us. Lord, as we come to you, Father, with hearts that are open and prepared, Father, you put some grace upon my words. For Lord, not my heart to offend or hurt anyone. Father, allow that which is supposed to be received to be received. Help us, Father, to delight you. Help us, Father, to make you glad. For your word says a wise son makes a glad father. Help us, Lord, to give of ourselves more than we've ever given as fathers, as men, as sons. I'm speaking now to that gender. Thank you, Lord, that we emulate that you so loved us so much that you gave your only son that we understand there's not too much we can give. Help us, Father, to walk with honor. Help us, Lord, to earn a legacy that says, love God, love God, love family, as we pass on in our days when they come. Prepare our hearts, O Lord, and to you be the glory, and the glory alone, in Jesus' name. Ralph, can you come down a moment, please? And uh, Pastor Brian, can you come down a moment, please? Jimmy, Pastor Jimmy, come down a moment, please. I'm just asking a few, few of the men to come down here. Onwar, can you come here? Come right here, please. I want you to pray for fatherhood and for men. Pray from your hearts. And I'm going to ask that, you know, our hearts be open to receive, both here and that are online. There's a lot of power in agreement and prayer. This isn't just show. This isn't just putting some dressing upon the message. This is where the rubber hits the road. So Brian, I'm gonna let you start and then you can just hand it as you feel. 
Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you for a great message, first of all, for instilling our pastor to speak to us. We thank you, Father, that you are the Father of all. We thank you that you have given us the privilege of being fathers. I know for myself, I have so much more I want to do to be a good father. I thank you for each father in this home, in this house. Thank you for everybody that's listening. I thank you that we will look deep in our own hearts and we will minister to ourselves in such a way that we will grow spiritually and we become better fathers. And I ask you, Father, that you would help me personally to be unconditional in my love for my children and for everybody else in my life. I thank you so much for this church. I thank you for the opportunities we have. I thank you for the blessing of the wisdom of our pastor. And I ask you, Father, in Jesus' name, for this great day, and thank you for it. Amen. Father, we've let you down many times. We understand, Lord, that you only want what's best for us, even as we as as parents only want what's best for our children. And you give us instruction. You guide us. You show us the ways to go. Tell us the ways to get there. And yet, we turn from you so many times. We find our own path. We want to we try our own way. We want to live an independent life and prove you wrong. That if we just do this, that we can have, have more or have a better thing. But the truth is, Lord, as we grow, as we mature in who you are, we understand that you wanted the best for us at all ways, at all times. And what felt like it would have taken a little bit longer actually would have lasted longer. It would have been better. It would have, it would have led us into a flow and an overflow and an abundance that you have designed and desired for us. So, Lord, on this Father's Day, on behalf of these people, Lord, and myself, I repent from the times that I've not listened, the times that I've run, the times that I've disobeyed, the times that I've dishonored you. Forgive me, Lord. I know you do. Forgive us. Thank you that grace and mercy are available to us. Thank you for the words that you deposit in this house and deposit over us. Because you speak prophetically over us. You speak to our spirits. We want to be better husbands to our wives. We want to be better fathers to our children. This day, better parents. This day, Lord, we lean on you. We trust in you. And we thank you for being a good, good father. In Jesus' name. Father God, I thank you today for this message, Lord. Lord, I come before you today, Father God, with a filleted heart. I open my heart and I fillet it to you, Father God, for I have some un- some business to do. Some business to do with you, Lord, with my two daughters that I haven't seen in over 50-some years. Lord, in Revelation, I've been reading lately about the word cowardly. Lord, I ask you to forgive me, Father God. But, Lord, help me, Father God. Maybe this isn't the prayer of the, 
of the congregation, but it's my purview today, Father God, to help me, Lord, to help me in relationships with those children, Father God. Forgive me, Lord, for not being a father that I need to be, Lord, that I should have been, Lord. And let the legal complications of this world, Lord, I allow them to penetrate and not act on them, Father God. So I rebuke the legal system and in custody cases, Father God. I rebuke it. Lord, I honor you, Father God, so help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord, to do the right thing here, Father God. Lord, I trust in you. And I ask you, Lord, for personal help here, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, I am so thankful to you that you bless us good children and Holy Spirit first I pray my brother Jimmy he love his children and bless him long life and good health and you know his pain mercy on him and his family what he doing for the kingdom of God we bless supernaturally give him supernatural favor in his life and Holy Spirit I welcome you in this morning touch heaven church and all the fathers those who are sitting in here watching live today and Holy Spirit my father Frank preach such a blessed message and I am so blessed I know all the father are so blessed today and I am so thankful that you give me spiritual father he shaped me in many ways and today if I am a your child and Holy Spirit my I claim long life good health my father Frank and he is your mighty man Jesus you love my father Frank and you love with us all and we need to walk and talk becoming like your children and Holy Spirit I bless every father long life and wisdom give them wisdom to treat children wisely and Holy Spirit bless every father supernatural health long life and good wealth and good wisdom in Jesus name Amen Amen Thank you, Thank you gentlemen